Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Milan 1, Benfica 1, ha pareggiato Altafini, che disco di applausi. George, do you think all this success is just a one night stand or can you settle down to a, a permanent life in Jobis? I mean it can't go on the way it has been going, but um, I think we may last uh, a, a little longer. Solo davanti al portiere. Respinge Costa Pereira, Rete ha segnato in questo momento Altafini, 2 a 1 per il Milan. Among those who are going to Washington for President Kennedy's funeral are the Duke of Edinburgh, Sir Alec Douglas Hume, and Mr. Wilson. Family mourners and members of the United States government have been filing past the body, now lying in state in the White House. Sangata formidabile dimora che Costa Pereira devia assento in corre. 37esimo del secondo tempo, Milan 2, Benfica 1. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with The Blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller, opposite me as always is Jonathan Wilson and today we have with us Miguel Delaney, Chief Football Writer at The Independent. Miguel, pleasure to have you with us. Thank you, thank you. pleasure to be here. Well, you've gone for a, quite a historical game. 1963 European Cup final, played at Wembley of course, it ended AC Milan 2, Benfica 1. Why have you gone for this game? Miguel? Well, I wouldn't quite say I've gone for it, I'd say I was bullied into it by the host. Yeah, you see people <laughs> say this, I, 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 I'm not having any of it. I, I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to do the, the 2010 World Cup final as that was kind of personal to me but boring boring but uh, instead uh, Jonathan has pushed me into something of academic and historic interest but no um, in seriousness I did a big piece of this for the Blizzard um, six and a half years ago on that final hmm. um, and I think it's theblizzard.co.uk yeah yeah that's it uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean we, we always have a tendency to build up the the uh, historical importance the Champions League finals because of the prestige the gravitas the event and obviously because you know the, the winner enters the, the kind of the pantheon of, of football greats and that sort of thing but this was a game of really genuine and actually at a moment which is I suppose what we're really talking about a moment of, of genuine historical importance of football uh, I mean it's actually rare this happened so cleanly or so symbolically but I think it was definitely the case in this match where it very much split two eras uh, both in terms of the two teams that were playing and where they were uh, in their trajectories and also the entire way the game was played. And at the moment I'm referring to this, I suppose, this was obviously the game was uh, Benfica 1, Milan 2. Benfica, the defending champions mm-hmm. who were going for the third year being up in a row. Milan, who at that point had never won a European Cup. Um, one of them very much... 
um, archetypes of, a, of a, the attacking, almost kind of free-form football that reigned uh, in the 50s and going into the 60s. And Milan, very much, the f- well, not the first cat match your side, but the first truly continentally successful cat match your side, with the game ultimately coming down to a foul in the 60th minute from Pivotelli on uh, Mario Coluna. The, uh, the Benfica playmaker put him out of the game and uh, again given everything Catanaccio has em- represented given the way the game developed and given that it was a turning point yeah it, it, it was such a, a cleanly representative moment Would you, would you go as far to say it was that there was a bit of innocence lost in football in this game we, we, you talk about Catanaccio talk about the foul which we'll come on to in the second half when we talk about the game um, but, but what Miguel's saying there is you know, he's attacking football in the 50s and 60s Jonathan blah blah blah, blah and then this Sort of new, newish sort of style yeah, was ushered I mean, in. Innocence is a is an awkward word. Yeah, I know. Given, what you given mean. that the Benfica coach was Fernando Vieira, yes. who had been coach of Chile mm. a year earlier at the Battle of Santiago, <laughs> yeah, uh, where there wasn't a lot of innocence in that game. <laughs> um, uh, but it, 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 from a tactical point of view, I, you know, I, I think it's the it's the it's the beginning of a period of rapid change of tactics. So you, you know you'd had uh, a way of playing and that had existed from sort of the eighteen seventies through to the or maybe early eighteen eighties, depending exactly when you you chart the beginning of two three five from to the change in the offside law nine twenty five, and post that, essentially everybody's played roughly the same way. And there's, there's variations on it, but everybody's played the sort of a vague WM, and you know depending where you come from and depending how you see the game, you might play a centre half as a very sort of defensive man-marking figure as he was in England, or he might be a more creative playmaking deep-lying midfielder as he was in Central Europe. Um, and But this is when you get this, you know, as Miguel says, it's, it's this clash between that free form, let's score more than the opposition that you'd had with the Real Madrid of the, of the late 50s, that you had with Benfica of yeah, Bellegutman. Even Benfica's previous final, which was probably the ultimate game of that, because it was 5-3 Benfica against Real Madrid. Yeah, which, which we did in an earlier yeah, podcast, yeah. so I mean, do look that up. Um, yes. <laughs> no, but, I mean, we talk a lot about Gutman, who uh, yeah, yeah. we're going to keep referring to here. We're obviously not going to go into the Gutman backstory, but if you want to know about Gutman, go back to that, that, that podcast, which is one of the early ones we did. I believe you've got a book out as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. like to talk about the names that <laughs> long ago, but it is still available. Uh-huh. Uh, remarkably, it hasn't sold out yet. Um, <laughs> and yeah, this, 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 is, yeah this, this is the beginning. Of, I mean, not, not the Catanaccio of Inter. Inter's Catanaccio, yeah. I think, was much, much more defensive and much more cynical form of football. Although, as you say, the. The, the tackle or the foul was was pivotal. Yeah, um, pivotal pivotelli. Pivotal pivotelli. Yeah, mm. uh, and then you know, within sort of five years of Catanaccio, you get the beginnings of of, of total football, which yeah. which ultimately supplants that. And you can say even Celtic in you know, played a, a variant of that when they beat Inter in in sixty seven, and then you get the reaction against total football. So you, you, you know, there's this beginning of these cycles that we mm. we expect and understand now. This is the first time it really kicks into action. This is the the beginning of that era when tactics are evolving constantly. And of course, one of the reasons for that is unless you're seeing how other people play the game, unless you're coming up against them, which is what the European Cup allows yeah. you to do on a regular basis, then you're never going to evolve. Yeah. Well, the evolution is going to be much slower because you, know, you, you need to be playing against a different system. Well, hang on, what are they doing? How do we counter that? How do we make what we're doing better? Yeah. And so, yeah, this is the beginning of, of, of that churn that we were now familiar it, it, with. In that sense, it was probably when the, the European Cup to become the Champions League kind of actually took off an event in, in the modern guys as well, wasn't it? Given as you, There was a kind of innocence about it. And of course, aggression had always existed in the game, but it was just kind of more 
naked aggression. Whereas what was so different about this was just just how calculated it felt and how it fit Milan's overall game plan, which is ultimately, I mean, um, Nery Rocco, who, you know, of course, one, one of the uh, principal figures of Catanaccio, uh, you know, he pretty much talks in one of his pre-match press conferences and in subsequent analysis of the game about how he invoked the right of the week, which is basically we're playing a superior team. So which let's is a let, phrase that yeah. uh, Le- Le Filatov, the great Russian writer, mm. it, it, it coined uh, when Kulyasovyatov started playing with a with a sweeper, playing, you know, a sort of proto-Catanaccio um, sort of back in the early 50s. But that idea that... And this idea of weakness, which might seem very odd to us, but you read Gianni Breva, the sort of great, yeah, the, the greatest of Italian journalists of the era, some pretty questionable views on certain things, but as a, as a football writer, it's something who sort of formed the vocabulary and the sort of the way the football was conceived of in Italy. And he had this idea that Italians were physically weak mm. and that because of that, they, they, you know, they, they had to be cleverer in the worst sense of the word clever than their opponents. Mm-hmm. They yeah. had to be cunning. And that endured in Italian football right through little sacking. But they've got f- funny little quirks because I think in England we were unaware that Italy had a bit of a thing about playing England, didn't they? You know, especially in England and they felt... Well, I, I think I think that those two things go together. That, that uh, it, quite Italy, fast Italy had won the World Cup in 34 and 38 yeah. in pretty questionable circumstances in both <laughs> yes, times and, and certainly no, no sense of physical weakness then. Mm. But in 48... Uh, England go to Turin and Italy are double world champions mm. and England haven't been at the World Cup in 34 and 38 or, or 30 for that matter and they haven't had the disaster of 1950 by the, that point yet yeah. and England go to Turin and they batter Italy 4-0 and physically they absolutely destroy them mm. and it's a great England team you know it's it's the, it's the England of Matthews and Finney on the wings you've got uh, Mannion you've got uh, Mortensen you've got uh, too early for Loftus would it? Uh, Lawton, I think, was a centre forward. Okay. So it's it's you know, a great front five, and they yeah they they hammer Italy four 0 on their own on their own soil, and that I think sort of contributed to this sense that mm. in Italy of yeah we're physically not able to cope, and you know it, it, it's only when when Saki comes along and says no. Yeah, but Saki you know, is a shoe salesman going over Europe and hang on, we're no different to everybody else. Yeah. What, what, what is his idea? And that's even more interesting in the kind of financial historical context of the game, given, right, it was certainly in a financial sense, it was much more innocent to today. But Serie A was probably the first truly European mm. kind of glamour league in that sense, given in the 60s it benefited from a lot of Italian industrialists investing in football, particularly in Juventus. And, you know, there was the famous, the Lure the Lira, where basically it, it was the first European league that was starting to collect. Yeah, I mean, Real well, Madrid had done it, but as a league as a yeah, whole. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and even so the, the year before, I mean, one of the reasons Rock almost came up with this, um, well, not one of the reasons, but I suppose one of the chains that led to this system in the game, and it's a much more defensive approach, was that he had two of the most expensive forwards in the world in Altafini and Greaves and didn't know how to get them to work together and often castigated them because they don't play as a part of a system. But he didn't like Greaves though, did he? No, you eventually just had to get rid of him. Mm. Um, and, and he brought, brought in Dino Sani, yeah. the, the Brazilian who's sort of a little bit deeper lying. Yeah. And you gave him a better a better structure. Well, that's a classic case as well, isn't it, of a, of a move that superficially seems more defensive and that essentially bring on a midfielder for but attacker. But makes him better from attacking yeah, body. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> they, they were quite free, free scoring that Milan. Well, they they um, in sixty one two when they won the title they scored eighty three goals in thirty four games. Yeah, so that's yeah, yeah. that's neat. Yeah, different well, to Capello's Milan that season, wasn't it? Sorry? <laughs> different to Capello's Milan when they scored. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but just just to go on that, I mean, I, I, and I think this is what is so again what so sums this up. 
in the era before this game, if you take World Cup, say, the average goal scored in a World Cup were mm. 3.6 per game. By Within 10 years, about actually and only three, three years after this final, by the 66 World Cup, again, culminating at Wembley, just like this match, um, uh, it, it had dropped to 2.6. So uh, ultimately... Which is where we are now, yeah, roughly, isn't it? Although it's starting to rise again, and I think okay. we, should, we maybe should come on to this at the end, because Jonathan was talking about the kind of response and counter-response to tactical trends. Whereas I think the last few years, the first time this has been broken in terms of it's no longer attack defence, attack defence. Well, I've got thoughts on that. So when we get to that, we'll talk about that. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> There'll be some in-depth tactical discussion coming up later. <laughs> Damn right, there will be. Uh, Milan's road to the final um, included wins over Union Luxembourg, hammered them, Ipswich Town, Galatasaray, and and Dun- Bob Shankly's Dundee. It, oh, yeah. It's pleasing In to see In the days him. when Bob was the more successful of the Shankly brothers. <laughs> but he was. I mean, that's... Yeah, a... that's right. Yeah, yeah. But it was just quite enjoyable to see Dundee play, playing against the, the, the mighty Milan. Obviously, a different competition. That's a classic trivia answer that as well. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, and, and as you say, Benfica, they'd won the previous two competitions. Yeah, they were, they were looking good. But Gutman had... Uh, left the club, yeah, um, and cursed them. Let's not forget that. And then the curse still remains, apparently. Well, I think there is a point to be made in that run, in that as quaint as it seems now. And anyone looking at that from a modern perspective, go, you shouldn't be European champions after a run like that. But of course, European football was constructed so differently in that you know the, the champions of country could actually keep their teams together much longer. Mm-hmm. There were so many more regulations and restrictions, yep. which meant you just couldn't build super clubs in the same way which is why even uh, Milan and particularly Real Madrid before that seemed in terms of the personnel in their squad uh, relatively exotic compared to most of Europe yeah no, which, uh, but I mean you talk about a run like that they've beaten mm. the champions of two countries who yeah. provide European yeah, champions yeah, for yeah, all yeah. decades yeah. out yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. And, and equally Benfica's run okay, they get by in the first round as, as champions beat Norshopping Duke La Prague but then they have to beat Feyenoord yeah. and again by the end of a decade Feyenoord are European champions so okay Ipswich and Dundee they're not, they, even in those days, they weren't giants in their mm-hmm. own countries. But they were the champions of yeah. good leagues yeah. and therefore were good teams. And unknown quantities as well. I mean, I know you, to compare nowadays to back then is, is almost a bit pointless, like, really. W- w- was Ramsey still manager of or had he gone to England by then? Uh, ooh. Oh, he, well, he left in the March. So yeah, you would still be manager. Yeah, yeah. So he's obviously yeah. left once the European, once the European Cup campaign. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, if, but if you think about, you know, nowadays, you know, the financial differences between the Real Madrid's mm. and the Barcelona's compared to all the other ones. I mean, yes, people were investing in Italian football, but still though, you know, you've got to put it in context yeah. and so on. It's still any road to any final back then, it's got to be respected. And, and of course, what we overlook, and I suppose something, a tragedy like the Munich air disaster makes so um, stark is just how almost daunting the very act of kind of going to another country yes. that you weren't too familiar with and even air travel was at that point for well, kind of... Uh, a trip to Galatasaray is, yeah. I mean when they say oh it's a long trip mm. it bloody well was back then I, I mean, and this was an era when the away goal didn't exist so I mean and part of that was because part of the reason why it was introduced was because clubs would go to foreign countries that they didn't know too well and the natural inclination when you don't know a team is we'll sit tight and kind of conserve and just bring them home and then see what we can get there yeah completely alright gentlemen let's have a quick break and after which we'll talk about the game itself see you in a moment Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. 
a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If I had an extra hour in the day, I might catch up on the latest football news, take a lovely walk with my dog Sammy, or maybe interview someone using an orange peel and a broken iPhone. You know, normal journalism stuff. But it's not always easy to prioritise our time, and that's where therapy can be an extra helping hand. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Untangle any unneeded worries and start to value your time for you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ramble. Conclusione altissima. Ma ripetiamo, il Milan ha vinto l'ottava edizione della Coppa dei Campioni. Welcome back to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. Right, gentlemen. So we go to Wembley uh, for the actual match. 3pm kickoff. South, th- lovely at that. I, uh, Not on a Wednesday. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's still 45,000 turned up. I, yeah. I know. But it's quite odd to see empty seats, but then of course, but away fans, well, uh, uh, the away uh, faithful might not have been in huge numbers due to... When I, when I was researching this, I remember, I remember reading a lot of the kind of reports from the 60s and the time, and even some of the later reports in the 80s and 90s, kind of retrospectives in the game. And there was a lot of kind of dodgy sentiments about Italian waiters taking time off work <laughs> uh, to, to get to go. There was a lot of that. But, uh. Yeah. I mean, when, when looking at these two sides, I mean, Benfica, the sort of stand-up play, obviously Eusebio, in terms of um, mm. the history of football and, the, and big names. But the Milan side, you know, you've got Giovanni Trapattoni and, and, and Cesare Maldini. When you talk about all these um, various tactics that are going on and, and, and evolving, you know, it's not a huge surprise that, that those two go on to manage the, the Italian yeah, well, national so side. I, I, made, I made this point in the piece, actually, and it's quite interesting that even though Herrera is probably is the more historically renowned manager, more associated with Catanaccio, and if you, I suppose if you count up trophies, more successful, although the relative success is, is different, a lot of his actual managerial protégés fail completely, whereas Rocco's actually succeeded. So as you say, you've got... Um, You've got two there who went on to manage Italy. Trapattoni went on to be one of the best coaches of all time. And, I, and also that's right, the fact that um, Rocco so trusted these players, that he described them as it was those two and Rivera, the playmaker, mm. uh, were his internal commission. And like, there was that moment on the pitch at Wembley where uh, at one point where Benfica were completely overrunning them and Rocco was trying to issue tactical instructions. Uh, but he, uh, even though there was only 47,000 there at Wembley that day, 
they couldn't they couldn't hear Rocco from the pitch. <laughs> but but I think they eventually worked out. Um, well, Maldini what, said Travertoni to yeah, Mark Kulina. Yeah. Victor Benitez, the the Peruvian, was getting overrun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. He he stuck, he stuck trap on on Eusebio. But that was that was. I mean, it was probably on Eusebio or on Kulina. Anyway, was, it was, no, it was, it was Eusebio. It was, it was, it was right, Pivatelli yeah. on Kulina. Although yeah. interestingly, you're supposed to get to and this. Pivatelli was only only picked. Yeah. Uh, Barrison, the, you know, yeah. who'd scored a load six, of goals, six goals in the on the run, cutting, cutting in from the left, was mm. dropped for Pivatelli. You know, a specific tactic, yeah. to man Mark Kalina, which again is actually quite um, historically atypical at that point, isn't it? I mean, something so nakedly defensive to well, at a time when there's no substitutes, yeah, yeah, exactly. You yeah. can't, you can't sort of if it's not going right, you can't yeah. pull something off at half time I, and, and, and change it. I mean, the whole no substitutes thing. I know it's a bit of a obvious thing to say. I it's just. It seems mental now. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like, I know there's some rule changes. Think, of, well, challenges were a bit stronger back then. I can't believe that wasn't a red card and so on. But the no subs thing, I just I find it. it well, especially it, when uh, you're allowed subs in in friendlies. Yeah, mm. uh, it, you're, allowed, you're allowed subs before half time in friendlies for for injury. Yeah, I mean, um, and, and uh, but this and is actually, th- uh, depending on so when Hungary beat England six three at Wembley fifty three, mm. the keeper gets up with ten minutes to go. Right, uh, because yeah. and mainly I I, I suspect because Grosic was such a sort of worrier, he was just scared he was going to make some terrible mistakes and let England back in the game. <laughs> the man you described to me as so full of nonsense, it was uh... <laughs> Grosic. Yeah, uh, Grosic was a great keeper. He was a very very brave man yeah. who did great things in '56 in the uprising. He had some interesting ideas about. <laughs> Uh, medicine. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. uh, yeah, he used to wear a red bandana in in training because he thought it warded off brain disease. Right. I, I don't think there's any medical science behind that. Okay. Yeah. Is there any writings about this man, Jonathan? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if only there were. Uh, but yes, back to uh, yeah. to, to Wembley, uh, of course. So um, the, the, the game begins itself, and yeah. and who would have been the favourites? Oh, it would well, have been Benfica. Yeah. The, 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 the holders. They're going for a third year Brink Cup. Even the previous season has been such a kind of a a passing of the torch in so many ways, and that they. They really beat Madrid quite well, even and in a, in a classic game of the era, they go three 0 up. Madrid come back to three all, and they still win five three. No, so no, no. Oh, Madrid have been two 0 up. Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry. Yes, yes, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, my apologies. That's um, all right. Don't worry. I've been so invested in this game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, and at the end of that game, you know, there's the fame. There's the moment where Di Stefano gives Eusebio his shirt. Uh, so it's it's, it's, it's Pushkas gives him his shirt. And I think it was just Stefano. It was one of the greats. One of the greats. Anyway. In, in my piece in the in the, in the blizzard. In, uh, <laughs> anyway, it was one of the greats. Gave yeah. Eusebio his shirt. And, and yeah, and that, that scene is a passing of the torch and all that. Uh, so yeah, yeah, and, and everyone expects Benfica to go on and win and win, um, and win three in a row and get that, that gold standard feat. But of course, you know, Goodman had gone by then. But um, well, it was also there's, you know, there's a story. I think you see some of Rocco's genius. Yes. Uh, not just for tactical. Affairs, but for man management as well. Mm. That as the bus pulls into the yeah. car park, you know, he he at Wembley, you know, he sees his players looking apprehensive and mm. says, like, anybody who's scared, don't even bother getting off a coach. Yeah, and then you know, a very sort of serious, stern man, then sort of apes being absolutely terrified, yeah, yeah. clinging to his seat, mm. and that sort of breaks the tension. Um, and so, I th- and I think there was apprehension because this was a. Yeah, not not just Eusebio and Kaluna, but you know, Jose Torres was a it was a phenomenal side. Yeah, a six foot three centre forward who could actually play football as yeah. well. Yeah, well, Goodman's stamp was still on this side. Yeah, you know, they, they no, and, and Riera wasn't exactly kind of a no. 
Exactly. Um, and it's incredible to think that, that Milan, obviously Real Madrid have won by far the most yeah. European Cups and Champions Leagues, but Milan, are, I believe, are second on that list. Yeah, yeah. And to think that in 63 was their first one, yeah. you know, quite a, mo- uh, a momentous occasion I, for I, them. I, again, like, it's, it's one of those things that's almost impossible to imagine now, but because the European Cup and coverage of it, there were such isolated fixtures and coverage was so rare that any sort of big events or big, made such a huge impression on, on the kind of general psychology, which I suppose is why, why the 1960 final has such a kind of a, you know, has a marked effect on people like Sir Alex Ferguson, Hugh McIlvany and the like. And, and, and it's similar with this. So a, a, a team that wins two in a row and has dethroned Madrid just in the kind of the aura that involves alone. Well, and, and the fact that they've beaten Barcelona in the first final, yeah. who were the only other team at that point to have beaten Real Madrid yeah, in the European yeah. Cup. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're the Madrid Slayers and then the Slayers of the Madrid Slayers. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, mm, but yeah, Benfica. It's easy now to to, to oh, maybe it's difficult now to appreciate just what a huge force they appeared at the time. Sure, yeah, and of course they score the first goal of the game, and it's Eusebio he's set, set up by Kaluna. Well, yeah, Kaluna plays the first pass. To yeah, Torres, he's Torres yeah, flicks yeah. it on, and, and, but Eusebio just bursts through. A you classic know. Eusebio goal. Smashes quicker, it in the stronger, great shot. And flies in off a post. And if you're a Milan player and you see that happen, you just you must be quite demoralised thinking, oh, blow me. Here, here, we, go. here we go, yeah. Yeah, because it was, as you say, Jonathan, classic Eusebio, such power and 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 sort of pace and skill and so on. And, 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 and it's one of those situations as well that seems kind of, it seems set up to emphasise the difference between the two. And one of those differences yeah. was considered, you know, Eusebio, probably the greatest player in the world at that point, well, Barpelle, um, who actually, it was, it was in that year as well, that they played, uh, Benfica played Santos in uh, the Intercontinental Cup, and actually, to be fair, Santos battered them and, and Pele uh, nutmegged Eusebio. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. So it was yeah, okay. Not, yeah, would have been late in '62. That game, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was that Santos team? Like, I, I'd sort of, I'd been a little bit of a Pele skeptic, and yeah. then I saw. I, th- I think it's '62 Libertadores yeah, final when they beat Boca, and. Jesus, Pele's brilliant. Okay. Yeah. He gets an absolute battering. Uh-huh. It just keeps coming back. Yeah, yeah. So, so you rate Pele? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, he's up there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Better than Zidane? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not start that again. Better than uh, anyway. Jones. Well, yeah, so, so you say he was certainly the best striker in Europe. Then at the other end, you have this... From from do everything you read about him, or certainly up in this, up in this final, you have Altafidi, who almost seems like a Higuain figure, who yes. has this great goal-scoring record, and yet is considered a bottler. And hence, uh, someone we've already discussed it today, uh, Brera. Brera had that famous, uh, you know, Nick, Brera had nicknames for so many players already, you know, both endearing and cutting. And this is a classic in which he called him Connellione, which is basically a mix between a rabbit and a lion. The fear of a rabbit with the bravery of a lion. Because mm-hmm. he was he was a player that could, you know, was so confounding in that way. And early on in the game, he, he misses a chance, of course, in, a, in almost a, a classic Higuain way. Yeah, well, that's a feeling he missed. A, I mean, he scores, obviously, you know, equalised in 58 minutes, but he'd missed, what, about four chances? Yeah, yeah, there was one big one early on. Yeah. And and I think, I, I remember I, I, from looking at even his reaction, you could tell, like, it, it just felt like one of those moments. It's going to be one of those days and where the difference in class will be emphasised. On, yeah. on one hand, you have the most brutal finisher of all time, maybe, in Eusebio. <laughs> and then on the other side, this Higuain character. The harsh <laughs> Higuain. But it, it's impossible not to go for yeah, it. It's, yeah, I mean, a player who misses big chance on big occasions. So. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame for, for Higuain because he was a great centre forward. But, yeah. Yeah, but I take yeah. the point you're saying. Um, so, you get into half-time and it's it's 1-0 to 
Benfica. And, you know, Rocco at half-time is obviously the cogs are turning. How, I mean, did they sort of go out differently for the second half of Milan? Well, they did actually start quite... Um, maybe more attacking. And I suppose this is the thing, we're, we're looking at this with... Um, you know, with hindsight and where you expect it to completely conform to all the tropes of Catnaccio, whereas, as Jonathan's already said, it wasn't. It was a bit more, uh, it was a little bit more open-ended. Not well, quite football generally is in flux yeah. at this point. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, pressing, which is the big development. I, I, I think, you know, I, I reckon you could, you know, taking away uh, all sort of differences in television coverage, you could show somebody a game from before roughly 1965 or after and some you would know which it was. You would, yeah. Without knowing who the teams were, without knowing who the players were, just the, the way the game is played, and that's because of pressing. That, that um, pressing comes in, in the mid sixties. One of the reasons England win the World Cup. You obviously have Ajax, you have Dynamo Kiev. Uh, that's the difference between old football and modern football. And this is sort of your know, Cantonaccio is sort of the beginnings of that. Yeah. It's conceiving of the team as a system as a whole, yeah. and it's saying we don't have to match man for man. We can create a structure which will, you know, uh, which will be able to outmatch their structure, even if individually we would lose a series of individual battles. So it's it's this that's what modernity in football is: is it's that acceptance of football not as eleven individuals, but as a structure with eleven components. Yeah, uh, and and that's what you begin to see. But as you say, it's it's a it's quite a slow and erratic pro, uh, process. So you have a game I always sort of I'm always sort of amazed by is the the cup final when Liverpool beat Leeds in '64. Mm. Yeah, it was... uh, which Liverpool win quite comfortably two one in extra time, and it's you watch it with modern eyes and you think that's a it's a normal game of football. It's an average, yeah, it's not yeah. particularly ex- not particularly exciting. It's not particularly defensive. You read the press coverage of it and they're all appalled. <laughs> well, it, it, so uh, Peter Wilson, no relation. Uh, in the mirror, they're, they're big sort of football columnists of the era. So he, this is in, in uh, you know, he, he says something along the lines of, um, so it was, it was six, hang on, 65, it was not 64. Are you sure? Because it was first time. Oh, yeah, because um, they'd won the league the year before. Yeah, they? So yeah. they won the league in 64. Yeah. This is 65, so yeah. 65 Cup fun. And and Peter Wilson says, uh, Yeah, we're told this is the kind of football that will win us the World Cup next year. If that is true, I want no part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Super. And yet, you, you, you know, to modernise, it just looks like a normal game. Yeah. Well, sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, and with the start of the World Cup, as you said earlier on. Yeah. It, 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 that's a huge, in the space of 10 years, that's a huge drop. It is. Given, it, now we consider like the recent spike at about 0.5 is yeah. marked. Well, we've yeah. seen a, cha- I mean, we've seen a, a, a significant upshift in the Champions League yeah. from 2008. Yeah. So I think uh, Champions League group stages for you know Champions League begins in ninety four. Mm. Champions so between ninety four and two thousand eight, I think there's only two occasions when there were more than three goals per game in knockouts. Yeah. Since two thousand eight, there's been only one occasion when there hasn't been more than three yeah, goals yeah. per game. So I, you know, I think the sea change you see in the early sixties has sort of been mirrored in, in, you know, in yeah. the late yeah. first decade of the twenty first century. Yeah. yeah. Just a point of pedantry, it was Di Stefano who gave Okay, it. you were right, well done. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Best to... Uh, but uh, no, uh, I mean, even... Yeah. Uh, uh, so Milan were maybe more um, open than expected, or not than expected, than you would think uh-huh. from what modernised that point. But there was kind of the precursor to everything that happened in the 29th minute, so actually on the half hour with the key moments coming in the hour, which is when um, Trapattoni leaves uh, Eusebio limping, uh-huh. uh, um, which is kind of the, the, the first real sign that Milan are going to dig in a bit and be... 
obstructive in that sense. Which is why, again, I go back to that rule about the substitutes, how daft yeah. it was. Because well, it just encouraged you to take out the opposition. But people didn't do it because, you know, that wasn't how the game was played. Gentleman's game, etc. And if you dish it out, you might get it back. Well, yeah, that it is might, true. Yeah. It might end. So yeah, one of the... One of the things that you see with the discussion over uh, the legalisation of professionalism in, in 1885, uh, there's a whole load of people saying, no, no, because it then it'll make winning too important. And the counter-argument to it, which t- turns out to be correct, is no, if, if people are relying on this game for their, for their if it's their job, mm-hmm. they're not going to go out and injure people because if they get injured themselves, yeah. their career's over mm-hmm. and they've lost their livelihood. Yeah, So... I, I guess that code of honour of not being too... I mean, obviously there were brutal games before this, but the idea of taking out the opposition yeah, to the yeah. didn't happen because if you all did it, you you wouldn't have a job yeah. anymore. Yeah, but yeah, with, yeah. with specific examples like this one, though, if there's quite clearly, obviously, a player... Yeah, no, no, but I think this is the beginning of that much more cynical... Right, OK. I, I think that sort of code that exists okay. in the mid-1880s has just about prevailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you've got games like the Battle of Hybrid in 1934, but, but again, where clearly that, kind of things do spill over. But, but, but that's kind of a more just an emotional aggression. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, quite, yeah. It's, it's not a targeted... Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the moment that we're sort of alluding to here, we, we, you know, Altafini equalised yeah. in 58, as we mentioned. Yeah, okay, so after missing his four chances, and, yes. one, and one of them where he's basically... Uh, yeah, Bruno Moore, the winger, is kind of remonstrating with him and like giving out to him for missing a chance, he equalises. But that's, I suppose that's not a true turning point because... Benfica ultimately so used to these. That, that was football at the time. Yeah, be because it was so, so high scoring. There were so many of these swings and matches in a way that, that this was. I mean, Wenger's always gone on about how the first goal matters so much because it dictates and conditions an entire game. And this is almost a match that first kind of conditions that, mm. or first first kind of sets this in place and leaves football as is for what in terms of its in terms of its goal return for 50, 60 years, as we've just spoken about in terms of 2008. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so the true turning point then happens two Which, minutes after that yeah. when Benfica on the attack again. Uh, Kaloon is just about to break clear and he's just about to set up a three on two. So we're expecting to go ahead. And Pivotelli, the actual foul almost seems innocuous, uh, but it's hard not to take... it. it Looking at it, it doesn't look like it's just uh, a delayed challenge or a late tackle. It's it, 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 there's a bit there's a bit more. It's to very it. late. Yeah, the, yeah, bo- yeah. You know, the ball's nowhere near. Yeah, yeah. And it ends up breaking <laughs> a bone in his foot. And then there's the the, the famous uh, television. Yeah, broadcast twenty four years which, later. Which is, I mean, that's actually one of the things they need to bring back. Is it because yeah. the, the concept is brilliant? So yeah, on, on Italian television, they used to do this a lot, where they get a, a few figures in from a key game. And sit there watching the game and get them discussing well, it's, it. It's Gary Neville's soccer box, but, yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> but with but better and, and with arguments. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah a bit no holds barred. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and and there is that moment on the so they have Cesare Maldini and, yeah. and Mario Colina. Yeah, uh, and Maldini going, no, this is nothing planned. Uh, and there's actually an interesting thing there as well that um, for for years Colina was maybe it's because of Trapattoni's fame, but for years he was convinced that Trapattoni committed the foul. Yeah, and <laughs> years after that he was he was. He was complaining in an interview. I think it's in Ben Littleton's book, um, where oh Trapattoni was meant to come on this TV show and he refused like a coward and or, or, saying all these sort of things. But of course, it wasn't Trap. Yeah, it was well, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he, I mean, but, yeah. but Kaluna on that TV show yeah. is basically saying, "How on earth can you say?" Yeah, that? yeah. he's, he's saying, "Look, look where the ball is." Yeah, yeah. it's not a challenge for the ball. It's uh-huh. a challenge to kick me on the foot. Did he? Yeah. Did he manage to convince Maldini? 
I've not seen the footage. Or um, it's unlikely. I, I, I don't think they ever come round. Yeah, I think they they, they Maldini. I don't think reconciliation quite... is one of the points of these shows. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and that's where and that's where I think it should be. But I think you know you should have an audience vote at the end or something. Like that. You know, <laughs> well, it, 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 it should Jerry be brought... Springer to give us <laughs> give us yeah. Get Springer on to, to for his final thought. You know, I, well, I thought it was a foul. You know? <laughs> what do you think about defensive football? Uh, sorry, what do, what do you think about the cynical defence of football? Well, Jerry Springer, yeah, oh, Gordon Bennett. I think he, he, he likes more open out attack, yeah, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah. Well, I, I'd like to see Pivotelli with a lie detector. <laughs> <laughs> I would as well. I'd really like to see Roy Keane with a lie detector. Yeah, uh, the lie detector would probably explode. But um, but yeah, yeah so so, so the, the, the foul is committed. It changes the game. yeah. Kalina essentially, and this, this is where it comes down. And it's it's incredible to think about it now that just because of one foul. It basically completely lopsides a, a game as big as this. One team is playing with 10 players. Kaluna comes back on 10 minutes from the end, but can't do anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and just the momentum just swings to uh, to Milan. There's more... But there's still a bit of back and forth. There, yeah, there is. I mean, Benfica are still a good enough side. They still have yeah. chances. But there's just... <laughs> essentially, one side is... W- w- the, the, the shape and space of the game has changed with, more, with, with that hole on the pitch. And one side is more versed in shutting it out, and the other isn't. I mean, you know, and that's kind of what this comes down to as well. It's also because well, Kalina was you know, so important to how Benfica yeah. played. Yeah, one of the things with Eusebio's arrival in the Benfica side, it's not just that he's a great player. Yeah, it allows Kalina to. You know, Gutman moves Kalina deeper, and Kalina then begins creating the play from a yeah you know, from a, a left half position. Yeah. Um, because he changed his position then once Eusebio came. Yeah, he dropped, yeah, he dropped yeah, a lot yeah, deeper. Yeah, yeah. And, and, from being inside forward, he becomes a wing half. Yeah, and it's almost one of those classic Gerard Owen things. Where basically, a lot of Benfica's goals are Kaluna playing through walls for Eusebio to run onto. Mm. Yeah, or knocking it long to Torres, yeah. which is how the goal comes yeah, here. Yeah. Or maybe long, long, knocking it direct to Torres. Yeah, yeah. So, so immediately you're removing their main, their main outlet. I mean, yeah. it's not, it's not quite. Removing Messi from Barcelona, I'm trying to think of a maybe taking a Raquel May out of his team. PLO yeah, yeah, in yeah. the back in the day, yeah, yeah. You, like you just you, they're the, the centerpiece of how they construct attacks is yeah. just is gone, yeah. and and they're even more free form without direction. Take McTominay out of United, well, yeah. I mean, Casemiro out of Sunderland back in the day, perhaps. Yeah. Well, he would usually take himself out. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Altafini scores the winner. Yeah, and which, which still involves a miss. Yeah, well, he he used to miss the chance yeah. and then gets another goal. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. So he's clean to it. I mean, I, I, you, you see sort of the, the collapse of Benfica's organisation. Yeah. That, it's almost like the Torres goal for Chelsea against Barcelona. He's just in the half by himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except this is midway through the second half of the game as 1 1. And it's 1 1. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. And, and I suppose. But doesn't that show the attacking. They're not thinking, okay, hang on, let's mm. just contain. They're going forward. They're going. Well, it, it, I, I think it, that's a generous interpretation. I think it just shows they've lost it. Lost yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> and it's a very interesting way that, that you see this so often in big games and even from kind of proven champions where there's a moment of such momentousness that it just almost like psychologically scrambles these teams. And even though a game, you know, I mean, stand back from it, it's, it's like it remains even. It's still, it's still there to be kind of, you know, taken in a composed manner. And they just, They've gone with abandon, as you say. They've kind of they've lost all shape of themselves, a sense of themselves. Yeah. So I mean, Aldafini runs through Costa Pereira and makes yeah. the save, but it comes back to Aldafini who, who sticks it in. Yeah, and his celebration is such a kind of almost pol- apologetic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a stands there with his arms yeah. slightly spread. <laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't used to this situation. <laughs> yeah. why, why always me? I haven't missed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Well, I, 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 interesting little thing about Aldafini as well, wasn't he? Uh, he was originally called Matsula. Yes. Because of his, uh... Yeah, because he was Brazilian, came over, took took the name Matzler after the yeah the, the great yeah. Matzler, yeah. and then went back to being... Oh, when when, when Matzler's son came through, yeah. who was, of course, a member of the uh, 
Inter team that succeeded this Milan. Yeah, you are, you see. So Milan, yeah, they win their first the European, European Cup, Cup yeah. and, and, and Benfica have yet to win a major European trophy ever since. Yeah, the yeah. I mean, whatever about the historic importance from Mafiku, which is huge. I mean, they did still stay a force for a yes. decade. They got to another two European Cup finals. Mm-hmm. Otto, they got one in 68, obviously, against United. Yeah, Otto Gloria comes back. Otto, yeah. Otto Gloria has sort of uh, led the professionalism, professionalisation of Benfica in the 50s, which Gutman then mm. yeah, really benefits from Gloria's work. Gloria comes back and, and he, well, he, he took Portugal to the semi-final of the World Cup. Yeah, in '66, then he becomes Benfica coach and takes Benfica to the European Cup final at Wembley. Um, and, but then you know they, the, yeah, the, the Gutman curse has really kicked in yeah. by this point. <laughs> but but more significantly, or more generally for the game, it completely shifts the balance of power, and and the consequences are very direct. I mean, Milan, having as you say, they hadn't won the European Cup at that point. They then the city itself wins four of the next seven. Inter go on to win the next two and then lose the final in 67 with Milan winning again in 69 in a game that kind of brought interest, uh, total football, or sorry, precipitated total football, um, or its rise, should I say. But, uh, I mean, what happened with Milan was so direct because Herrera, who'd actually, when his Benfica, sorry, when his Barcelona beat Real Madrid in 1960 and when they played in the 1961 European Cup final, they were, they were almost like similar to... Uh, that Real Madrid had happened. They were such an open team. They scored so many goals. And like, I, I, um, Herrera's Barcelona team, the one that won the title in 58 and 59, they were, I think they, at that point they had they were setting records that lasted for years in yeah. terms of how many they scored. But I mean, he was still a very cynical pragmatic. Yeah. Although they were playing attacking football, he was a cynical pragmatic yeah. man. There's all kinds of rumours about um, oh, yeah, yeah. medication they yeah. were taking. Yeah, I, mean, I, I suppose that's, an, that's another extension of what Catenaccio almost symbolised. Yeah, a, it's, a, it's a win at all costs mentality. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. And, and, it's, and after... After seeing what Milan did and under huge pressure from um, Marotti, given the given how much into themselves it spent, the very next season, or sorry, what, sorry, it was that season, wasn't it? So it was sixty one, and whoever it was, it's after he's. It was sixty two. It was it wasn't it November sixty two, sixty three, where he basically decided like, they they're, having, they're on a bad run. He decides not leave. We're, we're going to change. We have to change. No, but I mean Herrera comes into it. Oh yeah, in yeah, 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 yeah. But that's it. But and initially he tried a more attacking approach in sixty two, sixty three. When Milan is champions, Inter still ailing. I think it's November of that year. He decides to completely rip everything up yeah. and, go, and, and regularly bring in mm-hmm. the So Catnacho, we, we understand as Catnacho. Yeah, yeah. yeah and then they dominate European football for the or and condition European football for the next. Uh, and, and even though I think, as you said earlier, total football supplants it. Just Catnacho, it it ultimately stayed for sixty years. It just, just basically set defensive football. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it came to kind of just define. The, the the other side of the game. Yeah, I mean, it's a the, you know that, that idea we were talking about before of sort of uh, you know, these cycles mm. that, the, mm-hmm. that you go through. I mean, we could talk about this forever. So let's let's try and keep it to <laughs> three minutes or so. Mm. Um, to, total football is I wouldn't say it's supplanted, but it, it faces a challenge in Il Gioco mm. Italiano, the, yeah. the, the sort of the the, the the an updated version of Catenaccio, which is then eventually supplanted by by Saki's pressing and the sort of the reinvention of total football with, mm. with Cruyff in, in the early 90s but I see I, I don't think it's as simple as attacking defensive mm. attacking defensive no no yeah yeah but you just I think it's, it's, broad, a, it's, a, it's a proactive reactive yeah and I think what's happening now is really interesting in that those terms almost they Merge, don't mean yeah. what they think we mean so you can see in the last decade that the heavy possession football of what we called at the time mm. tiki taka I think 
we're now aware there's connotations of that term that we maybe don't want or Guardiola would rather we didn't yeah. use. But that heavy possession style of Barca and Spain, although they were mm. subtly different from each other, has sort of been surpassed by the very dynamic transition heavy football of, yeah. of Klopp. Which 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 Guardiola's himself incorporated. Which is yeah. Mm. Um but you'd historically you'd always think possession football is proactive. Mm-hmm. And that's that's Van Hal's idea. If yeah. you have a ball, you're proactive. Yeah. And yet you see the sterility of his Manchester United yeah. despite having the ball. And so you can argue Klopp's football is reactive. Yeah. Well, Gegen pressing it's the word is inherently reactive. reactive. And yeah. yet it mm. feels like the most proactive because you're yeah. going hunting the ball, which yeah, is a proactive yeah. act. So it's almost like football has moved ahead of our capacity to yeah, describe yeah, it. Yeah. The, the, our vocabulary no longer is adequate for, for describing it. And so you know, the, uh, you know, the, the cycles of proactivity and reactivity that you see, well, everything's proactive and everything's reactive now. It's, it's, it's a much more complex picture yeah. these days. Well, I mean, I think it's... Can... It's sort of traditional defending that ultimately has been defined first by Catnaccio. Can it even exist in the modern game? I, 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 think well, it, I mean, it does to the extent that 67 games last season, one team had 30% or less of the ball. But it's it doesn't seem to be effective. Yeah, uh, I think because the attacking plans are so good and because players yeah, are so physically uh, yeah, well conditioned. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's a discussion for another pod, another day. another game, and indeed, uh, Miguel, pleasure having yeah, you on the pod you. and uh, a, a fascinating one to unpack, indeed. Um, of course, for more stories like that, do go to theblizzard.co.uk. Um, oh, the independent. Oh, yeah, indeed, <laughs> that's <laughs> right. You were fine. Their website's me. awful. I wouldn't bother. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. Uh, but Miguel, a pleasure having you on uh, on Greatest Games uh, on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. Uh, Jonathan, pleasure as always. We're back next week. Thank you very much, everybody. See you then. This was a Stakhanov production.